Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. All right, welcome to another edition of the Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for Group of Five football. Uh, Joe Londrigan, Eric Henry here with you as always, and have another head coach uh, from Conference USA here today. Excited to dive into uh, Louisiana Tech football with the Bulldogs' newest head coach, uh, Mr. Sonny Cumbie. Uh, coach, can't thank you enough for making time for us this morning. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I appreciate you and Eric having me on and, and uh, excited to visit with you guys this morning. Yeah, no problem. I just want to dive into some questions for you. I know we're uh, we're under a tight schedule this morning, but um, curious when you accepted the job at Louisiana Tech, what was on the to do list for you in those first few months after you accepted the position? I think the first thing and and, and the most important thing, and you try to keep it always as the most important thing because it really um, it, it it is is you get to know your players, um, get to know the players on your roster, find out you know, who they are and where they're from and get to know their backgrounds. And, and that allows them, I think, a little bit to get to know me. And I think those are the most important things is, is get to know your players on your roster, find out who they are, start building a relationship and building trust with them, evaluating your current roster numbers-wise, right, where are we short, where are we deficient from a numbers standpoint, and how do we go ahead in the recruiting process and try to build that? Um, how do you build a staff? How do you hire a staff? Um, also, getting out and meeting um, Louisiana Tech alumni and Letterman. Who do I need to meet? Where do I need to go from that standpoint? And um, there's a ton of different things that, that, that have happened and that have gone on. And, and they're all, they're all, there's an importance level to them all. But I felt like the most important thing is anything that, that we do here is always I want to point it back to our players and getting to know them and, and trying to make things as, as good as I can for them here. Seems like that makes sense as the uh, the leader of a program. I want to ask you about someone else who uh, I think folks in the media are, are looking to as sort of a leader of the program right now. Uh, Mr. Tyler Grubbs was a first team uh, all preseason COSA selection. Uh, seems like he's going to be a really important part of your defense there. Uh, what was kind of your takeaways from from meeting that young man for the first time? Yeah, Joe, no, Ty- Tyler Grubbs is, uh, is a very important piece to our defense and had a great freshman season. And and uh, we've we've really, with Coach Scott Power coming in from Stephen F. Austin, he also coaches the linebackers. So those are really the core, those are the two quarterbacks of the defense. And and so Tyler is, is a kid that works extremely hard in the weight room. I think football is really important to him. Um, he studies the game a lot. And he he's a kid that you know he he'll show up to the meetings before Coach Power, and he'll be waiting for him and and going through the defensive playbook and the install for the day. And and so that that's that's those are the types of qualities that you like to have and and players that are most talented is is guys that um, football means a great deal to them and they put a lot of time into it um, to try to separate themselves from you know the other guys they play against and compete against and then also to try to master the system. So. I've been really, really pleased with Tyler and, and how serious he takes the game and, and his really his dedication to try to make himself a more intelligent football player and learning our defensive system. 
Coach, what are, are some of the biggest differences that, in your opinion, Bulldogs should expect to see between this team in 2022 and Bulldog teams from the last few years? Well, I mean, I hope the first is, you know, I hope we just win some games. I hope we win a lot of ball games. I think that's um, in terms of style of play on defense or offense or special teams. I think um, you want to win, and that's the ultimate goal. And and they've done that a lot around here in the last nine years. And um, so I think um, that's the first thing. I, I want our kids to play extremely hard um, in terms of playing fast and, and being able to do that. They have to know what to do. We have to be great teachers as coaches. We have to be able to teach them what we want, how we want them to do it, and and allow them to go out and execute it. You know, at a at a at a high level on Saturdays. I want our teams to play um, really well together, um, and I think how you do that is you have to have trust amongst the units. You have to have trust amongst players, the coaches, and coaches, the players. Um, and so I want us to play together. And and then I think whenever the last thing is 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 a tenacity and a, and a toughness about us in, in terms of how we play whether it's on special teams, whether it's on defense, you know, whether you're winning by a lot, whether you're down by a little. Um, our guys are, are really relentless in how they play and, and in terms of their effort. And and I think that a lot of that goes into you, know, you have players that care a lot about football and you have players that care a lot about each other. And I mean, everybody wants to be successful. And I think it's us as coaches of teaching our players you know, what we think success looks like at Louisiana Tech and how can we put ourselves in position to do that you know, through a summer workouts, through spring practice and through fall camp. Coach, once upon a time at Texas Tech, you were a graduate assistant for one Mike Leach, of course, now the head coach at, at Mississippi State. Uh, a football writer we we had on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago described you as Mike Leach, but he gives a damn about defense. And I'm curious what you make of that assessment. <laughs> well, <laughs> I hadn't heard that. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I think if you work for Gary Patterson for seven years, you're going to care about defense. <laughs> so um, I think that is, uh, you know, that's the thing that I've taken from working with coach Patterson is, and I think it's very interesting that the coaching and working for Mike Leach and playing for him. And then, and then Gary Patterson, you know, they're really, they're very different, but they're the same from the standpoint of their, their love for offense and defense. And there's a very, very distinct process. They go about putting their teams in positions to try to be successful on offense and defense, you know, to their respective strength, you know, I guess. And so um, I do think that, you know, at the end of the day to win a championship, you know, defensively, you're going to have to play really well. You're going to have to have takeaways, tackles for loss. Um, you're going to have to have really good red zone defense. You're going to have to get people off the field on third downs. And, and so that's where, you know, my, um, really, attention was drawn to Scott Power um, just because he I competed against him at Stephen F. Austin when I was at Texas Tech, and he was really good at what he does. And um, so, but yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a I'm a huge fan of, of of playing good defense, and and I think that there's a way to, you know, it, it sounds good right here in this interview, but there's a way to play um, complimentary football and and to try to do the best things for your team, and not just the best thing for an offense or a defense or a position group. Last question before I, I pass it to, to Eric here, who should have a few questions for you. Uh, in 2009, I believe it was, Coach, uh, in your indoor football days with the San Angelo Stampede Express, uh, uh, supposedly you were a player, the head coach, and the director of player of personnel at all at the same time. And I'm curious, if that's indeed the case, what on earth was that experience like? <laughs> Joe, you've done your research. Yeah, you've done your research, man. Um, yeah, that, that, that was the case. And, uh, it was one of those experiences where you're like, would you ever do it again? Um, absolutely not, but you're glad that you did do it. Um, it taught me so many things about recruiting, about organizing, 
um, planning. Um, you're you're planning meals. You're planning where guys are. You're trying to recruit guys to the town um, for two hundred dollars a week, and then you're trying to plan where do they live. Um, you have a roster that's in constant influx in terms of guys um, leaving. And although I will say this, Joe, once I became the the starting quarterback, I, I really cut back on the roster moves and the and the and the volume of guys that I, I released. It, and once I was starting to play, it was you know, hey, let's just hunker in here and do that. But uh, it, it was a great experience, and it, and it really taught me a lot in terms of those things I mentioned, organization, people skills, managing people, um, and then just your overall planning. And um, so it, it was a fun experience, and, and I think it's really helped me um, throughout my career and, and launched me in terms of communication and organizing and, and doing the things that, you know, at a place like that, you're, there's no job that you sit at, at, in, in, a, in a position to say, oh, I don't do that. Um, somebody else is going to take it. And that's the mindset that I've learned there. It's the mindset that I try to carry with me as a, as a former walk-on player. It's the mindset that was ingrained to me, you know, working for Gary Patterson for seven years is, is I want to be a part of a place that's surrounded. It's, it's an organization full of folks that they look at every job as, as it's the best job they have. And there's nothing that's going to go on in this um, facility, at this school, in this town, where someone in this office says, well, that's that's a job that, that I'm not going to do because it's beneath me. And and I want us to be guys that will go out and do any job that it takes to get the job done. Coach, going to jump in here. And again, I know we're up against the clock, so I'm going to try to sneak two or three questions in here. Uh, want to take the focus of the offensive side of the ball. I know Joe asked about Tyler Grubbs. want to ask you about Smoke Harris. Just your early impressions of him as a player. Yeah, Smoke is – it's funny. You watch him on film, and, and then you you uh, you see him in person. And, and uh, we've worked on his – we've worked on shaping his body a little bit. Um, he's a guy that um, is a, has incredible quickness, make you miss. Um, he is a guy in, in spring – I mean, we had a hard time taking him off the field, and, and he loves to practice. He's very competitive, and he's very, very, very confident in his abilities. And, and the guy that you build an offensive game plan around, you know, how many times can we get smoked the ball and how many different ways do we get smoked the ball? So – um, and he, he loves football, loves to compete, and, and I'm, you know, we're super glad we have him. Coach, I want to ask you about just your overall philosophy when it comes to the transfer portal. You know, pretty much uh, you are the quick math here, eighth Conference USA head coach we've had on. I'd like to ask all the head coaches just kind of their philosophy on the transfer portal. You know, um, I, I know there's no quick way to answer this, but, you know, kind of your approach to it, how you can shape a team and, and the challenges it provides, especially as the head coach of a group of five program. I think positionally, um, you, you have to have a plan in terms of what positions do you want to try to target, you know, in the portal. Um, and and the first thing is we want to try to retain all of our players. I think that's the first thing we want to try to do is to create an environment and, and a program that we're, we're able to retain our players um, because we don't want to lose any of them. Um, and so then, then you go into, you know, we got here and we had one scholarship corner on the roster that could play. And so then how we, you know, we're, we're not going to have a very good pass defense if you don't have very good corners. And so we went out and we, we got some corners from the transfer portal that are going to help us and are good players. And same thing at quarterback. You know, we went out and added two quarterbacks that um, I've coached at previous institutions that are they're going to help us. And and so I think that it's it's uh, if you had 20 kids that you're going to sign, which now with the roster, you know, basically uh, free agency, which they've allowed is, is you know, if you're going to bring in 20 kids, I'd like to bring in 15 high school kids and five. Um, transfer portal guys and and those five positions are on need and I think you know anytime you have a difference maker at defensive line um, an offensive skill position or a quarterback you're going to take it last one here for you coach we'll get you out of here and again appreciate you making the time uh we like to end on a fun note asking you know, kind of a fun question to all of our guests so uh my 
you know, never to full disclosure, my, my girlfriend's a graduate of uh, Texas Tech and she wanted me to sneak a Texas Tech question in here, but I told her I, I'd, yeah. I'd meet her halfway. You know, I'm not going to ask a, a Red Raider question, but I'll ask this. Uh, according to my research coach, your, your wife has a PhD in, in marriage and family therapy. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> when you, guys, is you, guys, you, guys, you guys are on your game here, man. You guys have done some research. Listen, we try. You know, we try. Yeah, that's <laughs> impressive. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, the question for coaches: Oh, when's the last time you won an argument uh, with, with your with your wife? Considering the fact that you have that uh, extensive uh, research, it's a background. Yeah. Well, it just depends on who you ask. If you ask me, I win, and if you ask her, she wins. So, um, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't win very many of them, and and uh, you know, it's a, it's it's fun because um, it's really a you know her 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 knowledge and her her background in that it really does help a lot, just in terms of. You know, if, if you've got, you know, an, an issue with a player or an issue with anything that goes on, I mean, she's a great sounding board and comes at it, you know, from that vantage point. And, and uh, so, yeah, but not, not I don't win many arguments at home. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've learned over, ever, after 17 years, you know, I, I try to like coaching, like when you coach, the majority of coaching is just like stopping problems before they happen. And that's kind of the way it is in, in, in your marriage is you want to try to st- you want to try to stop problems before they happen. Uh, sounds like a, a great advice as someone who's kind of learning on the job here, Coach. So appreciate you <laughs> making the time. And, uh, you know, you guys travel here to FIU on October 28th. So we'll be catch with you. You know, I think that's uh, four or five weeks down to the season. And, um, you know, good luck the rest of the way, Coach. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, Eric. You and Joe, I, hope, I look forward to meeting you guys in person whenever we get out there. Fantastic, Coach. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Can't thank uh, Coach Cumbie enough for his time. No, he has a super packed schedule uh, getting this team ready for uh, kickoff in just a couple of months, Eric. But um, really appreciate his candor. And, you know, it's it's funny how with some of these younger coaches, they definitely seem more open to kind of talking about life outside of football. And, and Cumbie was was definitely no exception with, uh, you know, diving into his uh, his relationship with his wife as a marriage counselor. And, uh, you know, we, before we started recording, he was talking about being a dad. To, to two young kids and uh, getting them moved halfway across the country. So that's, I don't know. I, I appreciated him shining a little light into his life there. No, Joe, same here. Completely agree. I mean, it's one of those things, especially as, you know, someone who works in sports and covers these, these guys, whether it's players or coaches. <laughs> I don't know about you, but the number one thing I, I think I learned in, in, you know, journalism school or in communications or et cetera is to humanize people. You know, and we get so caught up in the wins and losses and transfer portal and whatnot. So it's nice, obviously, the conversation we talked about off air when he's talking about, you know, moving the family from Texas to uh, to Ruston. And then, yeah, I mean, that's why I want to throw that that last question there about his wife, because, you know, just a, it's always nice. That I think I think it's appreciated on their end that they know that <laughs> we know they're more than just, you know, a helmet and shoulder pads or in Coach Cumbie's case, now that his playing games are done you know, a, uh, a visor and a headset, you know? So, um, yeah, I think, uh, think he enjoyed that. And I, I hope uh, all our listeners really enjoyed the dive into not just Louisiana tech football, but you know, a little bit about himself and what a head of hair too. <laughs> so yeah, to listeners to bring you guys in behind the curtain, uh, coach Cumbie had his camera on as we were, um, as we we're taping. And of course we do this, you know, via laptop, you know, with Joe being on the West coast, me being here in South Florida and, you know, our guests being wherever and yeah, a great head. So I don't want to put you on the spot. Top three um, <laughs> heads of hair in sports. I mean, just off the top of the dome, I'm thinking like Steve Nash, 
from the uh, Dirk Steve Nash Mavs days, you know, when he had like the floppy hair going. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, MVP right, Nash right. for sure. Yeah, well, Nash, I mean, I guess that was after, but same, it was the same hairstyle. Yeah, yeah, like um, I feel like there's someone. I feel like there's a couple that obviously I'm missing. I'm like, I'm gonna go like with the insert Packers cornerback with the dreads. You know, there was like a, a, a ten year stretch. Al Harris, was, yeah. At, no, there was it was Al Harris, and then it was like Tremont Williams, and then it was it was like three straight Packers quarterbacks with dreads. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what about you? You got any ones that uh, come to mind? Yeah, um, a couple from soccer for you that that I really like. Um, Carlos Valderrama. Um, I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say it. I'm happy you did. Yeah, that that is, I mean, my God. Google Carlos Valderrama if you don't know who we're talking about. Colombian soccer player from like 30 years ago. Um, Paul Pogba also. I appreciate, I appreciate his hair. Um, and uh, let's just go with like the entire NHL. I mean... Uh-huh. What what do they call it? Like lettuce? Like that's yeah. that's the hockey player term for like the long flowing locks that believe it or not, I had at one point in my oh. life. Huh. But <laughs> yeah. Oh my dude. Uh, when I when I played, um, I was growing my hair out our senior year, and there were one or two pictures of me in the local paper and like, you know, on the online section. And every time there's a comment about how like greasy and crappy my hair looked from just some random dude in i assume it was a dude in ohio <laughs> like why does this guy get a haircut I'm like come on man <laughs> but yeah so that that's probably my top three joe this is gonna be in your wheelhouse okay um wasn't there like a is it the white stripes is that what i'm thinking of they were they just had like the the dude had the shaggy kind of greasy hair almost is that what you're talking about or or, or not nah? Jack White. Uh, yeah, Jack, Jack White. Yeah. I mean, that the like long black hair. I yeah. mean, mine wasn't that long, but like kind of. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, because I, I can say, you know, I, I would say my my worst um hair decision, I'd say. <laughs> uh for you know, regular listeners probably know that I am bald. You know, I, I have embraced the fact that, you know. It's just time to come on home as it is. You know, with brothers, you either end up like Jalen Rose. You know, we get like the phenomenal hairline in your 50 or you got to come on home. You know, and I've embraced the fact that I got the ball. It's no big deal. But uh, when I was in high school, Joe, I had uh, I had dreads. And um, of course, you know, <laughs> if, if you're in high never school, knew this. You, I know I'm confessing this on air. And if, if it's you're looking at the late 2000s, mid to late 2000s, you're in high school. And you know the dreads from like the, the 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 southern rappers, you know the you know them franchise boys, Lil John, etc. Uh, and I, I had I had uh, uh, blonde tips, uh, and that was that was a um, that was a unique experiment. So um, so yeah, I, like it wasn't quite like you know Cisco Jason Kidd blonde, um, but uh, but yeah, it was it was uh, it was an experience. But I figured I'd confess that seeing as like you talk about kind of your. Uh, poor hair choices <laughs> i'm gonna take you to one dead and company show at some point and you're gonna resume that look i guarantee it um i found my old college id actually i'm not gonna put this on the website for obvious reasons but i want to show you what i want to show you on camera what i was looking like what i was working with as far as hair oh there we go yeah no that's a that's a great head of hair it's great <laughs> i was i was doing okay at the time with that with that hair i was like i was way too fat but you know <laughs> just letting everything go 
but <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Hope you, hope you enjoyed that tangent. But um, on a serious note, like Louisiana Tech, I think there's a real opportunity for them here to like once the Texas schools and like, like let's be honest, pretty much all of CUSA West leaves for the American. I think there's a real opportunity for them to you know kind of rise not from the ashes but kind of rise above what's left of cusa and and really um try and establish themselves as a contender especially with like that kind of renewed sense of optimism that coach cumby's bringing in yeah so it's it's joe i don't know how you feel about this and i get it right sometimes you just need a fresh voice i had to when we were doing research for this show i had to go back and ask myself like wait a minute Pip Holtz didn't really have that many down years in, in Ruston, you know? And I had to go back and look at the records, and I'm like, okay. They went 3-9 and nine last year, his worst record in Louisiana Tech, and I get it, right? When you're a team that's competing for a CUSA West titles, like, what did they win? Some, like, five, six straight bowl games? 3-9 and nine isn't great. But I go back and just, for the record, let's go back and, and look at his tenure. 4-8 and eight in 2013. Nine and five and 14, nine and four and 15, nine and five and 16, seven and six and 17, eight and five and 18, 10 and three and 19. 2020 is the COVID year. And again, I know not everyone wants to use, not all fans like to hear a COVID year, COVID year as an excuse, but listen, it affected college football, right? They go five and five and then three and nine. This isn't me making the case that, oh, Skip Holt shouldn't get fired. You know, that's, that's not my call. What I am saying is, this is a team that's, two seasons removed from a 10-year season. So it's not like Sonny Cumbie's coming in here and it's a rebuilding job. Like we've had Dana Dimmel come on and talk about how they had to go two, three years just to build up the, the depth on the roster with the Juco guys. Oh, obviously covering FIU, talking about Mike McIntyre and some of the, the challenges they've had to do as far as rebuilding the roster. This is not the case here. You mentioned Tyler Grubbs. I mentioned Smoke Harris, a little bit of a preview here in my top 35 players in Conference USA list that I'm going to, start publishing here in the, the coming weeks, probably publish that starting the first week of July or so. Both of those guys are going to make the list. You know, and there was an argument I, I could have put uh, another tech player or two if I really wanted to, but that's a hell of a starting place, Joe, to have a, a you know standout linebacker, hunter tackle guy, and to have, especially in the offense that Sonny Cumbie's going to run, a dynamic receiver like Smoke Harris that A can help you in the return game. You can get him the ball, you know, very quickly as far as those, you know, uh, you know, kind of bubble screens, jets, you know, jet, uh, jet sweeps and things like that. Listen, man, I, I don't know about you, but I don't think there's any reason why Louisiana Tech can't come back. And first off, I think they should make up all next year. I, I, I they'll get the quarterback situation straightened away. And of course, that'll have to be, you know, see time will tell. We didn't get a chance to ask coach about uh, their quarterback situation. But if they get that squared away and just tighten up the defense a little bit, I don't see any reason. I mean, BJ Williamson is another guy. Uh, as a matter of fact, I may have to go back. I think he actually did make my list. So I think it's three guys from Tech uh, who, who make that list. There's no reason they can't compete immediately. I absolutely agree. I mean, we we talked about how. You know, Chris Vanini referred to him as Mike Leach, but he gives a damn about defense. And listen, if you have the kind of personnel that Cumbie has at his disposal and give, you know, a, a couple of years to recruit and bring someone who can and bring, you know, players in who can effectively run that, you know, that Big 12 style 
you know, that kind of offense that like Leaf was running at Washington State with with with, uh, with Gardner Minshew and when they had that kind of personnel plus a really solid defense led by guys like Tyler Grubbs, there's absolutely no reason they can't rise above uh, what's left of CUSA and, and make a case for a title in, you know, 2023 and beyond. Completely agree. And I just want to run this at you because, I, you know, we've had this conversation on this podcast about expectations. What do you think, given what I laid out there as far as Skip Holt's tenure, again, what's that, three, six, nine years and seven winning seasons, eight, mm-hmm. uh, no, six winning seasons and seven seasons of at least 500 what do you think the expectation should be there in, in Russell? Obviously, they were not part of the group that got chosen to go to the American. Um, so, and that's I'm sure that's that's you know not an easy pill to swallow considering Southern Miss and Rice were. But that aside, I mean, anyone who's been to I always mispronounce the name of that stadium. I think it's Joe Alley uh, Stadium, but they've got great right. facilities there. You know, right there in the, in the back end zone. Um, what do you think the expectation should be in Russ? And just as far as not this year, but just yearly expectations, what's kind of your read on that? Yeah. I mean, in terms of this year, I, I agree. I think there's a solid chance for them to win six games and, and go to a bowl game. Um, I think the, like Stephen F. Austin, they'll beat South Alabama. They definitely should beat UTEP. They should beat. I don't know if they will. And, you know, I, I don't want to run through the whole schedule, but I do think they have a solid chance to win six games, go to a bowl game. And as with the Skip Holtz era, I do think that should be, you know, the expectation on like a grander scale in terms of like, you know, building up at a national scale um, and like building that brand. I don't know. I mean, they this is a solid athletic department in terms of results. Like the baseball just won. Uh, I believe baseball won CUSA this year. Um you know, there's, there's plenty like, you know, basketball and both their basketball programs have solid followings uh, and, and football. Again, I think from a personnel standpoint, like they have what it takes to to win games and kind of keep things going here. Um, I, you know, and when you, if you talk about like teams upgrading to the AAC or the Sun Belt or, or whatever, I think the problem is a little bit deeper rooted than that. And that's not something that you or I have all the answers to. And there's certainly plenty around, you know, Louisiana Tech Twitter about like what the athletic department could do or could have done rather to like put themselves in that position. I mean, but from a purely from an like on the field results standpoint, I think Louisiana Tech is in a position where they can continue to be a force in CUSA in a lot of the, you know, a lot of the major revenue sports, men's and women's basketball, football, baseball, et cetera. And you know, if, from there, it's a matter of like kind of managing success, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, they still need to like achieve some of those results and keep this going on a consistent basis. Um, unfortunately, like doing what Skip Holtz did and just getting to bowl games and, you know, winning six, seven games a year for oh, what was it like 10 years? And unfortunately, that doesn't do much for, for your national footprint, on, even if it is a hard thing to do. But, you know, I, I think Louisiana Tech has uh, the good has some good building blocks to like continue to like I think they're in not a terrible spot, all things considered. Would they have loved to go to the American? Probably. But considering what's left again, I think they have the opportunity to like be one of the better teams left, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I mean, when I look at the teams that were left remaining in Conference USA, you can see why FIU wasn't invited. You know, certainly from a market perspective, they've had everything you want. But I think Chris outlined this on a previous podcast that it's not all about market. It's about commitment to athletics and really bringing a strong brand. That's something that Scott Carr and company are trying to build down there. Western Kentucky. I'll kind of defer to you there. But I mean, I've been to Bowling Green. Obviously, you have as well. But I mean, I've, I've been there and covered games there. 
Diddle is certainly a phenomenal um, arena. Um, you know, um, Hodgson Smith Stadium is, is, in my mind, certainly adequate, um, especially in relation to some of the other teams that went. So I, I guess you know, I can see Western Kentucky fans being a little bit miffed. Uh, I look at Louisiana Tech, and in my mind, I think they have the if, if their fans wanted to be upset, is to say, hey, why not us? I, I guess I'll, and you know, we're going to close in a second, but I, I do have to ask you this. Joe, were you surprised that they took six teams? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like we been we talked about this when the news broke. I, right. I definitely did not think it was yeah. gonna be that, you know, large of a of a number f- just from COSA. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, yeah. I mean, like I said, no need to go like a deep dive. Just asking if you were surprised it was six, because in, I can say if you had said, hey, FAU Charlotte, North Texas, or FAU Charlotte, UAB, or uh utsa uab fau i get it right mm-hmm. but i can understand from a tech fan's perspective well damn if you took six <laughs> why aren't we one of the six that i can understand but that aside um i do think to spin it forward this is really in my mind a, a you know not just for for tech football but tech athletics in general um i think it's going to be a positive thing because you know you really have a chance to to really be the what the Going back to, you know, when we're you and I were in elementary school, you know, when Boise was running the uh, the whack, uh, I think tech fans mm-hmm. should really feel entitled to say, hey, you know, you, you talked about the record success they had. They can put that together. And Coach Cumbie certainly gives them an identity, especially on the offensive side of the football. So should definitely be interesting to uh, keep an eye on that and see how it develops. Might get a Pantene NIL deal out of it at this point, too, with that head of hair that we mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. All right. Thank you all so much for listening once again to the Underdog Podcast. Uh, If you want to check out new episodes, uh, subscribe on Apple. We're on Spotify as well. And if you leave a review, that helps the show grow as well. Um, If you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. Eric is at Eric C. Henry underscore. And of course, at Underdog Dynasty for more G5 football content every day. Uh, Give us a follow. We'll talk to you sometime. All right. Happy football watching, everybody. We will be back with more content very soon. Bye.